Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, September 29th, 2016, and we are reading from the big book. We are on page 151, the last paragraph. Today's readers are Esther F. on the 12 Steps, Charlene G. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Janice B., Carmela G., and Sarah W. Our newcomer Greta is Devorah S. The reference number for yesterday, uh, September 28th, Wednesday, is 9119. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read our 12 steps. Hi, this is Esther F., a a compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless, fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you, Kathy, for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. And I will now ask Charlene G. to read our 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Charlene G. from Idaho. Here are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. 
Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, <clears throat> excuse me, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message in the, to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never, sorry, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions. Ever remind us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Charlene G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we begin our study on page 151, the last paragraph, and I will ask Janice B. to get us started. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. Thank you, Kathy. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B., recovered compulsive overeater in Vermont. Now and then, a serious drinker, being dry at the moment, says, I don't miss it at all. Feel better. Work better. Having a better time. As ex-problem drinkers, we smile at such a sally. We know our friend is like a boy whistling in the dark to keep up his spirits. He fools himself. himself. Inwardly, he would give anything to take half a dozen drinks and get away with them. He will presently try the old game again, for he isn't happy about his sobriety. He cannot picture life without alcohol. Someday he will be unable to imagine life either with alcohol or without it. Then he will know loneliness such as few do. He will be at the jumping off place. He will wish for the end. We have shown how we got from 
out from under. You say, yes, I'm willing, but am I consigned to a life where I shall be stupid, boring, and glum like some righteous people I I see? I know I must get along without liquor, but how can I? Have you a sufficient substitute? Yes, there is a substitute, and it is vastly more than that. It is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. There you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. Your imagination will be fired. Life will mean something at last. The most satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. Thus we find the fellowship, and so will you. Oh, okay, so um, so this reminds me of the hole in the donut that they that the twelve and twelve has says, and um, the thing is, I was at the jumping off place. My life before finding the fellowships and finding recovery was was. Um, I was ready to to not have that life. It was very unsatisfactory. So, you know, when you really reach step one and you know you're powerless and your life is unmanageable, then um, then you're ready and um, anything would be better. And so um, this... Um, this last paragraph talks about fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, and and at the beginning I thought I could do it with my sponsor, myself, and with God, and um, and I worked that pro I worked that program for a while, but but I find found myself slipping, and um, and fellowship. You know that was still being really self-centered, and um, and and fearful, and um, really, what I always wanted was relationship and connection with people. And um, Overeaters Anonymous gives me a, a community where I can practice practice the the new the new way of thinking of being other centered instead of self centered and um and I can be helpful to other people and and give them an opportunity to be helpful to me and um and it's practicing a a new way of of thinking and a new way of living by connecting with people in the fellowship. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janice B. Who would like to share on the second and third paragraph? This is Bella. Can I share? Okay. Chrissy D. Nessa R. Maureen M. Kim G. Chrissy D. Okay, let me tell you what I have so far. I have Chrissy B., Bella G., 
Melissa C, Tina S, Nessa R. Who else did I hear? Katie G. Maureen M. Kim G. Maureen M. Larry. Maureen M. And Larry K. Kim G. I have you, Kim. Okay. Let's stop there and we'll take more later. So I have the CB. Bella G, Melissa C, Tina S, Nessa R, Katie G, Kim G, Maureen S, I believe it is, and Larry K. Let's start with Christy. Thank you. Thank you. I am Christy G, recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. Can you hear me okay? I can. Oh, great. Thank you. I'm, I feel so blessed to be able to share this morning. I start a new job. I haven't been able to share, but I'm getting into a rhythm, so thank you, God. I it was so touched by not only the reading, but the speaker. Janice, thank you. The fellowship, what the fellowship has brought to my life is with everything I was searching for in food, everything, everything. And and the powerlessness, is, it's an interesting thing when you're in addiction, when I'm in addiction. I think that, I, I know that I, I knew every morning when I woke up that I didn't, I didn't get it right, that, that it beat me, you know, that the disease beat me that day. But it was the resolve. That's when the, when the disease kicks in the strongest, when, when the, the pain is gone, the emotional, physical pain, in a couple of hours, and I, and I start to get some really good ideas about how I'm going to get it right this time. This time, I'm going to control it this way. Um, and that's, that's not powerlessness. That's control. You know, I used to think that was powerlessness. I, used, I came into the program, I was like, I'm a compulsive overeater. Like, duh. You know, I mean, I, I never had a problem admitting that I was either an alcoholic, an addict. I knew very, very early on in my life that once I started using a substance that made me feel good, that I had no control. And I just didn't have a name to it, you know. So once I found the name, I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. That I, I completely fessed up. What I did not admit to was the unmanageability, the inability to control that thing, that, that, that substance, that thing. Uh, it's no match for me. I can't. I can't control it. I can't. So, the blessing and the good news is, and I'll wrap it up by saying that I never knew what was really going to bring me what I truly wanted until I fell on my face. So I'm so grateful for my addictive personality because it brought me a fellowship that I would have never known I wanted or needed. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Chrissy B. Uh, Bella G., please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. It is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. Wow, yes, this is it. And the last few days, I was struggling with a huge resentment that it was so hard for me to get out from this resentment. And, you know, it was so hard for me to forgive that person. I was in such a pain. 
And thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yesterday, I had such a wonderful opportunity when I spoke with two members of the fellowship. And it, you know, even though these two people, they are two different people, they are two different attitudes, you know, it was such a wonderful experience for me because they both listened to me without judging, without blaming, with such an understanding, and they really helped me to put the program, to use the tools, to use the steps, how to solve this resentment. And thank you, God. Thank you, God. Last night, I was able to say why I forgive this person, because I am connected to God and not to my ego. And this what helped me, the fellowship, because it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling that you know that you can talk and you can share your experience, strength, and hope. And yes, I don't know everything, and I am willing to learn. It's a wonderful feeling to be connected to a loving, accepting power and not to my ego. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Melissa C., please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recover, Compulsive Overheater in New York. And, um, you know, right in the paragraph before, like the first paragraph that we read for context, um, you know, we're at the jumping off point. You know, and uh, we can't imagine like with it or without it. And and then you know, right here in this paragraph, then we're questioning, um, what is my life going to be like without it? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, am I going to be boring and glum and um, self righteous? I mean, those are the things that came to to my mind and my fear. You know, I didn't want to be this rigid person. Like, that's what I perceived recovered meant, that I was going to be rigid, you know, and right away I was like, yeah, I'm going to be one of those that has to carry my food with me places that has to call a sponsor and, and um, you know, and be tied to a phone and have to do assignments. And um, I didn't like that idea. I wanted to think that I could be free. You know, and what a joke that is, you know, because um, I was never free. You know, this was this is the price of freedom for me. And um, and it's a price that today I'm so happy that I pay, you know, because um, I was I was sad thinking that um, I was going to give up the food. And how would I even fit in with the circle of people that I loved, you know, that I ran with? Because. We, you know, we would eat socially or drink socially, and no longer am I participating in that. But um, if I'm really honest, I wasn't eating or drinking socially. I was, um, you know, holding camp by the buffet, um, and I was failing to hear any Mm -hmm. conversation if there was a basket of bread on the table. You know, so I was not connected to the people in my life, and what I've gotten today from this fellowship is authentic connections with human beings. And it happens within the fellowship and then it, it spills out into, into my life around me. So now I live a life of fellowship, you know, this program didn't just fit into my life. It actually um, 
has become my life. And and the friendships I have are very real and very deep. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Tina S., please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy, uh, for your service. Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Heard some really good things this morning. Grateful to be on the line. And, you know, I, I just have to say for myself, you know, I didn't come here uh, for a fellowship. You know, and um, the good news is that the longer I stay, the more I'm involved. And, um, you know, I, I really like what it talks about. Yes, I'm willing, but am I to, to be consigned to a life where I shall be stupid, boring, and glum? You know, and one of the things I heard early on was um, – you know, I have to act my my way into right thinking. And so if I'm by myself, there's no way that I'm going to be acting any different. So when I started to be involved in the fellowship, I saw people doing the deal. You know, I saw people who had had years of abstinence and how they were living their life. And so therefore, if I wanted what they had, I had to do what they did. And, and I became willing to do that. And the only reason, and I just say this so that I hear it, is because my way did not work because if my way had worked, I'd still be doing it. And that's just the truth. And, you know, because when I get up in the morning and I say, okay, God, you know, I'm here to be of maximum service to you and to those about me. And, you know, one of the first things I do is I ask, ask him to keep me sober, abstinent, and sane. And if I do these things, you know, I'm, I'm well equipped for the day, you know, but I have to check in. You know, I can't, you know, I cannot be by myself 24-7 or Tina will start talking herself into some old behaviors and old stuff. And, and you know, and there, there is a substitute, and it's vastly more than that, you know. And it says your imagination will be fired. You know, that has happened for me today. I'm excited to be alive today. I'm excited to get up at 4.30 in the morning and to be at my job at 6.30. My God, who would have thought? Not me, certainly. You know, and today, you know, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. And so what I know that I have to do is I have to continue to do this deal. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Nessa R., please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, next to the, in the margins near the question, have you a sufficient substitute, I have I wrote two notes, one which I obviously wrote before I was recovered, um, and it says, God is a substitute for food. And the other one, which I wrote when, um, I guess, um, in the recovered state, that says food has been the substitute for God. And the difference is that, you know, the beginning of my journey, I, I thought food was my problem. Food and weight were my problem. You know, if only I could eat anything I wanted and not gain weight, my life would be perfect. And I use um, um, a food as a crutch. And so I wasn't really aware that food wasn't my problem, but food was my solution to my problems. You know, it was my solution to life. It helped me cope with life, whether it was happy moments, not so happy moments, you know, anxiety, depression, anger, resentment, fear. Um, the food was there and the food was my solution. Um, but then I found out that, you know, food was a substitute for God, which is my, 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 um, my second note. Um, all along, I had this um, big, big void in my life and this inability to cope without a, a, a truly effective, uh, workable um, 
solution, um, which is God, which I attained through um, this beautiful, wonderful program, the 12 steps of outlining the big book um, that allowed me to reach the real solution, which is God. And, you know, I, I was a slave to food. You know, I, I have two masters now. One is the food and the other one is God. And the choice the choice is entirely mine. You know, when I when I look at, okay, what is my life going to be without the food? Um, you know, it's, it's I'm going to lose my freedom. I'm not going to be able to eat what I want, etc. But what I'm not looking at is that I don't have freedom now when I'm in the food. You know, I'm a slave to the food. I, I'm only focused on it. I go to parties. I, I spend time with family and friends, and my only focus is food. Now that I have uh, disciplined boundaries around the food, which some people would call rigid or severe, I actually have freedom. I have freedom to enjoy people's company. I have freedom to enjoy activities instead of running from convenience store to convenience store, from fast food joint to fast food joint, just trying to get my fix, you know, focused on my kids' snacks instead of being focused on my, on my kids. You know, now I have freedom because I don't have that obsession anymore and this happens when I realize that food has been my substitute for God um, and God is only the real solution which I can reach by working these beautiful 12 steps and I pass. Thank you Nessa R. Katie G, please go ahead. Katie, press star one. Hi, Kathy. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Sorry about that. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Reader, Anorexic and Bulimic, starting my timer. Two things. Um, God, I remember thinking, oh, my God, just living my whole life without sugar. I'm going to die. And, um, you know, what I know now to be true is that at the end of my life, like, I don't want the best thing to ever happen to me to be the food, right? Like, I want the best thing to happen to me to be, like, being on the firing lines, right? Like, doing my job, like, showing up with you guys a day at a time and falling on my face and messing up and, like, not going to the grocery store and getting a fix or seeing that the number on the scale is really low or, you know, just being the thinnest girl in the room. That's not my goal anymore. There's no meaning in that. And um, I think for a long time I thought, okay, so I'm in Overeaters Anonymous, so I'm going to make a bunch of friends. But notice the word fellowship. It means a group with similar interests and feelings, companionship and company. Got to be honest, guys, I didn't come in looking to be your friends. And uh, frankly, I don't know in my definition that I'm still looking for friends. Um, I'm not looking for people to, um, and I was for a long time, like I would call people and I would dump my stuff and I'd say, oh, life is so hard. And, um, you know, I just, I didn't know how to show up and um, and not take you hostage and ask you to solve my problems and, and call me back. And if you don't call me back, I'm not going to be okay. And, and we're best friends now because we're in OA and, and let's just, you know, be immediately bound together. And I'm not saying we're not. Because if you're in my life, you know <laughs> that my first priority is the women I roll with. But here's why. Because 
I've been taught and I'm learning how to have friendships, right? How to how to be in a fellowship with women, like how to how to how to show up, how to be boundaried, how to um, not take on someone else's stuff, how to not need to control you, how to not need to tell you what to do. But the most important thing that I do each and every day is put my hand in God's. And so I reach out to all of you when I'm bound up, when I'm afraid, when I'm trying to get to God. And you guys tell me the truth. Like, no, Katie, it's not okay to be selfish in this situation again. Yes, Katie, you do need to make an amend, and how are you going to do it? So I'm in this fellowship, and man, it's satisfying. When you all call me up, and your snot nose messy crying, and you're exercising bulimically, and you don't need to, you don't know. Oh, my gosh. My life is unbelievable. It absolutely, I don't need sugar and flour and exercise and to be the thinnest girl in the room. So what a reward. I don't need hostages, and I'll just close with this. Like, you guys help me learn how to be in right relationship with one another because I mess up in my relationships with you, and I get to practice being boundaried and, and learning. And so I'm just going to keep showing up, doing up, doing it, messing up, and showing up again one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Kim G., please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. Ooh, there you will find relief from care, boredom, and worry. And that's not the first time we're hearing that. This is what they're talking about for those of us who are the real compulsive overeaters. If we go back to page 151, the first line, you know, the third line is for most normal folks, food means relief from care, boredom, and worry. So they're letting us know that if we are the compulsive overeater of the type in here, we can't get relief from care, boredom, and worry in the food. We're going to have to find it somewhere else. You know, I think to myself of, of, in the doctor's opinion, where it says men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. So we have to put down those foods 100%. But just because I'm doing that doesn't mean I don't need an effect. I am still an effect person as a recovered woman. So where am I going to get that effect? I'm going to get that effect from working the steps. And when I recover, I'm going to get that effect in step 10 by contact with recovered people doing my inventory. I'm going to get that effect from step 11 with my contact with my higher power. And I'm going to get that effect in step 12 working with others. And if I discontinue getting those effects in 10, 11, and 12, I'm going to seek that effect in the food. So I will find release from care, boredom, and worry as long as I stay connected to this work. You know, that's, that's the definition of powerlessness. That's why it's so essential that I understand that. My old idea of when I, I was in a room of Overeaters Anonymous and they say, how many of you are compulsive overeaters? And I would raise my hand saying I was powerless. What I meant was I'm fat and I don't want to be fat anymore. Or I'm thin and I'm afraid of getting fat again. And believe me, two-thirds of Americans are obese right now. Two-thirds of Americans are not compulsive overeaters. So what does it really mean to be powerless? What does it really mean to be a real compulsive overeater? You know, this was pointed out to me recently. We talk about the first 164 pages. But from page 104 on, it's really about what life is like after you're recovered. So the actual recovery process is the doctor's opinion through page 103, which is 111 pages. But where is step one? Step one is the doctor's opinion through more about alcoholism, which is 51 pages. So literally almost half of the big book is trying to get us to understand that we're powerlessness. 
that we're powerless. Because if we don't believe that we're powerless, why do we care? If I still believe I can get released from care, boredom, and worry in the food like normal folks, then why am I going to go for anything else? It is that desperation, that gifted desperation that we get that I understand that normal folks can get that. Normal folks can, but I cannot. And thank you, God, there is a solution where I can find relief from care, boredom, and worry, and that was within these steps, this fellowship, and my connection with the power. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Uh, Maureen S., please go ahead. Uh, hi, Kathy. Thanks for your service. It's Maureen M., but that's all right. Oh, sorry, Maureen. Well, some days I want to be Maureen F., but anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, recovered compulsive eater from New York. Um, I, you know, I can't think about this paragraph until I think about just a few sentences at the end of the one before. Um, you know, someday, uh, I, well, I was unable to imagine life either with the food or without it. I knew loneliness, um, as few do. Uh, someone just mentioned the doctor's opinion, and I remember just reading this this morning. Um, the guy in the barn, you know, I think that was me. He was just done, you know. He, he went in there and he said, I'm, I, I'm without hope, and I wish for the end. I, don't, I didn't even care about jumping off anything. I was just ready. I'm ready to go. Um, I knew about the program. I've been in other 12-step programs. Um, yes, I'm willing. You know, it, it's a short little sentence, you know, where you show my, yes, I'm willing. Um, that's huge. Yes, I'm willing. You know, I, I I was not willing. That's why I wound up in a barn, you know, ready to kill myself, check out, whatever. I'm done. Um, so I was without hope more than anything. I knew I was powerless and I knew my life was unmanageable. I was without hope. I knew about the fellowship. The disease kept me from believing that a fellowship could help me. Um, but I was hopeless enough that I said, all right, I'm, I'm going to give it another try on another level. I'm going to do what other people do. If I like what they, what they have, I'm going to do it. Um, Release from care, boredom, and worry. Uh, your imagination will be fine. I didn't do any of this. I really feel that way. I made a decision to work the steps of this program, a commitment, and then these things followed. If I was going to stay in recovery and I was going to be a recovered person, I must practice steps 10, 11, and 12 after 1 through 9. These are the most satisfactory times of my existence right now. I can't even express the words I feel for what my life is right now. Scary, but great. I mean, it's just, it's a miracle. Nothing short of a miracle. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Maureen M. Larry Kay, please go ahead. Hey, Kathy. Uh, good morning, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Thanks for your service. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine a life without uh, 
you know, my binge substances. Um, honestly, when I had dieted before, um, I was miserable and I felt deprived and irritable and anxious and restless. And believe me, when I tell you I was a, a boring and glum guy, um, self-righteous. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I wore my diet, uh, uh, that diet mentality on my sleeve, like some badge of honor. And I would, uh, you know, while dieting, I was very judgmental of anybody who ate unhealthy foods, and I evangelized and judged and convicted others for not following the, the party line here that I was on, and I was full of prideful arrogance, anxious to tell everybody just how wonderful my diet was, how they should change their ways and worship, you know, my diet as I was worshiping that, which was really all about the physical part, the food. You know, and, and when I, when, when there was a guy that cracked open the big book with me years ago, um, and he had told me that, that there was a time many years prior to that, that he wished he were dead, wished he, he just wouldn't wake up. And now this guy, he told me that, that program and the fellowship and working these steps, that was the, you know, the whole carrying this message was the bright spot of his life. And I, I thought to myself, I didn't tell him. But I thought to myself, bull, you know what, bologna, bologna. And then I went and ate some bologna and salami and the rest of it. You know, I mean, my life was crazy. And meanwhile, this guy, his life had changed. He had moved from a, see, I know today, I didn't know it then, but he had moved from a a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence as the result of these steps. And I couldn't understand how he did it. Because I had never, this program is, a, is one that is experiential. We don't get it by hearing it. You can come here all day long and never get it if you just hear it and you don't do it. This is an experiential program. One must experience it. And then you'll know what those of us that have gone through it know. Because you will have your own personality change, spiritual transformation. And when you have your own spiritual transformation, you'll know that that what they say is true. We're not a glum lot. The bright spot of my life today. Can you imagine? It's not sex. No, it's really not. It's not uh, even necessarily spending time with family, all the things, you know, those are okay. Um, It's the bright spot of my life is carrying this message today. And it doesn't always feel good because many of you are suffering, but it is the bright spot of my life. It's when I know that God is using me and I'm being of maximum service to God and to my fellows. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Who else would like to share on the last two paragraphs? Reva P. Reva P. Lynn S. Lynn S. Anyone else? Okay. Um, And I think I'll take a turn, too. Reva P., please go ahead. Good morning. It's Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. It really struck me, the sentence, I'm willing, but. And that reminds me when we read um, how it works, and it talks about how half measures avail me nothing. But when I get to that jumping off place and that turning point, um, it says, I ask, and I ask for what, I ask, and I ask who, I don't ask the food, um, I ask his or her, which is my higher power, protection and care, 
um, with complete abandon. And that's what it's alluding to, I think, here, because when I had to let go of my um, binge substances and foods and behaviors, it was terrifying. And it was also terrifying not knowing what was my body going to be like, you know, when I wasn't controlling the weight, I was terrified that maybe God's will was for me to be, I don't know, 250 pounds. Um, and I had to have that leap of faith um, to trust that if there's a higher power that wants my highest good and the best for me, that he or she's going to figure that out and it's going to be better than my wildest imagination. imagination. And the other thing that struck me is my imagination will be fired now, what's wrong with imagination? What I um, interpret this is my thinking. My thinking will be fired, gone, forget it, out of the office. You're not there anymore. Um, because it's my thinking that drives, well, it drove the eating and it drives all of my behavior. And it's fired because it's backwards and it doesn't serve me. Um, and it is amazing. And as others have shared, I can't know what it's going to be like until I experience recovery. I couldn't imagine that the paradox of letting go of everything I ever wanted, including, you know, body size, all the things I wanted in my life, abandoning that with complete abandon, not with the buts and excuses, but maybe I'll hang on to this one. Um, and then it is, it's vastly, you know, better than I could ever have imagined. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Lynn S., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsive reader from Toronto, Canada. This sentence, life will mean something at last, it just shot me right back to my early, early days in program, really early, and I can remember this profound enthusiasm isn't the word. I can't explain it. It's like the world opened up to me and went, oh my God, I have finally, I have a purpose in my life. And I can remember it. the purpose of my life is to mold my life and my will around God's will. Something like that. I can remember that. And it, like this thought just came to me or the, it, and it was so amazing because for 35, 36 years, I had lived such a miserable existence, completely evolving around food, revolving around food. Everything was food and misery and dieting and gaining 140 pounds and losing 140 pounds. And my life was just total misery. Coming into program and getting this ideal and I knew that's what that's what it could be. And and doing the program the way we do in the beginning, you know. And I and I know we don't, you know. I can't possibly have the promises because I haven't worked the steps yet early on in program. But that ideal was always there. And then the sort of glow ran off, kind of. Or maybe I forgot about that that initial feeling or that that um, phrase. But what's so amazing now is. You know, after um, yesterday was two years of of uh, recovery for me, two years of working the steps. I know what step I'm on. I know I'm working with a sponsor. The food has been down. 
what just strikes me is I'm living that now. My life does mean something. God and his will for me is an integral, central part of my life. Um, I have a fellowship. There's a couple of key OA women in my life that mean the world to me, and what we're doing is working program together. And it's just, I'm just sitting here, and, and it's resonating, it's landing in my heart that life does have a purpose now. It does mean something to me. And it's not that I have to have it on my fridge and say today is the first day of the rest of my life and I have a purpose. It's not that at all. It's so quiet and it's so gentle, but it runs through every fiber of my being. I am so grateful. I, I just I can't even put into words how I feel right now. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lynn S. And this is Kathy Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And as I listen to everybody, um, I'm realizing how the quality of the fellowship that I experience has deepened and grown so much since I started working the steps on a daily basis. My phone calls now um, have purpose and meaning. And I feel the presence of my higher power when I reach out to someone um, or when someone reaches out to me. Um, I can remember the first 20 years or almost 20 years I was in program. I did have fellowship, but it was not with as much purpose, that is to help each other work the steps on a daily basis so that we could live in recovery. And today that purpose prevails in every conversation I have. Um, what, whatever, um, if a person reaches out to me, I listen and I try to be of service, work step 12. If I reach out to someone in need of help, I ask if I can share a tenth step with them, um, or um, I ask a question about how they work their program of recovery. So I just feel so blessed, and um, I don't know that there's any other place in this world that I can find the connection, uh, the enduring connection that I have found here, and it's really a result of our shared purpose to live one day at a time recovery. Thank you, and I'll pass. And I'm going to ask Carmela G. to read um, the, the third paragraph on page 152. How is this to come about? Thank you. Two thank paragraphs. You. Sorry, Carmela. Go ahead. Problem. Thanks so much, and thank you for your service. This is Carmela G. in New York and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. How is that to come about, you ask? Where am I to find these people? You are going to meet these new friends in your community, near you. Alcoholics are dying helplessly like people in a sinking ship. In a large place, there are hundreds, high and low, rich and poor, these are future fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. Among them, 
you will make lifelong friends. You will be bound to them with new and wonderful ties, for you will escape disaster together, and you will commence shoulder to shoulder your common journey. Then you will know what it means to give of yourself, that others may survive and rediscover life. You will learn the full meaning of love thy neighbor as thyself. This is um, an interesting read. Uh, It has such substance because it's we are human, and this is about humanity. Um, The fellowship is one aspect of program. We each come into the fellowship with our own loneliness, our own baggage, and yet we all have so much in common and we never realized that we were out there and we were alone fighting this battle. In this program, I have learned I'm not there to make a call or take a call to hear about life's problems. I'm there to share the news of this book. When someone calls, it's not that I want to whine or or moan and groan about how life is. When I get up in the morning, I'm grateful that I'm up. I say to my higher power that I call God, what will you have me do today? Just give me the strength and the wisdom and the ability to do it. And when someone calls, I don't, my head is not rushing with thoughts the way they used to. I truly listen and wait for an inspiration while I'm listening so that my higher power can guide me and direct me so that I can help that person. Because this disease is truly killing us. It kills us if we allow it to in mind, in body, in spirit. It will kill us physically as well as mentally and emotionally. And in recovery, we can live spiritually, mentally, and physically. Thank you so much for allowing me to pass. Thank you, Carmela G. Hi, this is Naomi B. Could I share? Sure. Let's just get a few, Naomi. Okay, sure, not a problem. Who else would like to share? Renee C. Renee C. Anybody else? Okay, let's do those two. Go ahead, Naomi B. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for your service. Good morning, my fellow visionaries. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Wow. Among them, you will make lifelong friends. You will be bound to them with new and wonderful ties. For you will escape disaster together, and you will commence shoulder to shoulder your common journey. You know, I'm listening to this uh, this recording this morning, and I'm thinking to myself, it's just a miracle. I was so desolate and so isolated with my disease because my disease had it in it in the full grips. And after I came into the fellowship and I just initially started, and thankfully I, I was one of the blessed ones. I wasn't in program that long before I came into vision and before I stumbled on and lovingly with the big book. 
and my recovery road has been through the 12 steps and the big book and this fellowship on a vision for you. I'm not taking anything away my higher power, which is God, who has directed me into the program initially. But with this program and with recovered alcoholics or, you know, compulsive overeaters like myself, my life has exploded. I mean, the isolation of staying in my room, reading a book, watching a movie, and my binge food, to being of service to God. Being of service to God every day, whether making a phone call or receiving a phone call. I just, it's been, it says here about the years ahead. I'm 69 years young, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I have such a life ahead of me. And thank you, God, just for today, I have this program, I have these steps, and I have God. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. And Renee C., you'll be our last speaker today. Thank you. Good morning. This is Renee C. from outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania as well. And I am a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. Very happy to be on this meeting this morning. And I'm going to quote the same line that the previous share quoted. Among them you will make lifelong friends. You will be bound to them with new and wonderful ties. For you will escape disaster together and you will commence shoulder to shoulder your common journey. I can remember... And in the not-too-distant past, the isolation, the loneliness, the fear, the restlessness, the irritability, the discontentedness of just being in isolation with the food. And today, thank you, God, I don't have to live that way. This fellowship, and, and the program is not the fellowship to me. The program is my higher power. It is working through the steps and then working through the steps with my fellows. So there, I guess the fellowship does certainly come in there. But for me, the program of recovery is indeed a program of action. I've been around these rooms many, many years, abstinent mostly, relapsed nine years ago, And I find that it's very, very interesting. I am now commencing the process of going through the steps with a big book sponsor guide, and I'm just starting the doctor's opinion, God willing, tonight. So I'm so excited and a little nervous, but very, very grateful for this fellowship because this fellowship gave me my life back along with my higher power and the steps. I worked the tools. I had the physical recovery, or at least I thought I did. Then I thought, I got this, and then I relapsed nine years ago. So I need to pray for the willingness to not feel, I got this. (laughs) And to, you know, the primary purpose is to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters who still suffer. If you're new or struggling, please stay on. This program really works, and for that I am immensely grateful, and I love you all. Thank you so much. Thank you, Renee C. It's now time to close our meeting. 
Thank you, everyone who has shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Sarah W., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. I would be happy to. This is Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive old reader. Our book is meant to be su- suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.